Well, welcome everybody, and thank you for being here with us. And welcome to another episode of the Turn Up For What podcast, talking your Houston Texans straight from the Great British Isles. And we're doing the fourth and perhaps final fan round table this week as we're trying to make some sense of it as we go through this off-season. We've got a number of topics to talk about this week, getting out some of that depth chart, trying to work out where these building blocks are going to come from in this 2021 season, Uh, but we've joined this week by three guys um, right across the globe again. We've got a good, perhaps, representation of this team and what it means to some people. So we've got Matt from Ireland. How are you doing, mate? And do you want to give us your Texans moment that uh, that made you made you come back and and uh, and get entangled in uh, all this uh, all the fun? <laughs> yeah, well, you said you said fun there. I'm not sure that's entirely what. Again, I have experienced with the Texans so far. <laughs> I got I, I got sucked into the Texans just through through default almost. Uh, I followed NBA first of all, really, and uh, I don't know if any of you remember Lynn Sanity that sort of kicked off in the Knicks uh, and all the things that Jeremy Lynn did for them. And whenever he was traded to Houston, uh, a few of the friends and I uh, decided that we'd follow an NFL team, and by default, I just choose the Texans and that year was the year that Gary Kubiak led the team to a great 2-14 and record and uh, I think after I survived the 2-14 and I think that was me stuck <laughs> so I haven't seen haven't seen a good Texans team really <laughs> except for maybe sort of two, two or three seasons ago there whenever we got the, the playoffs and then the blowout at, K- at KC but yeah so that was really how I got involved with the Texans unfortunately. And coming to us from Sweden tonight, Bjorn. Well, yeah, hi. Uh, I don't really have that that one moment that really got me into the Texans, but uh, I started following the the NFL uh, during the 2013 season when when the Seahawks uh, beat the Broncos, and uh, and then uh, the there was this buzz around Clowney uh, in the draft, and the Texans had the number one pick. Uh, so that kind of got me into that. Well, there's a team in Houston that's called the Texans, and then when uh, when the Falcons were on hard knocks, you remember the, the moment where where J they, they they are they are in Houston training during training camp, and JJ walks over the bridge at the training center and just appears like this sort of god, and I think that's kind of my my moment where I just realized, well, hey, there is at least something special about this team, and then he obviously followed that with with his amazing season with. Uh, all his contributions on on defense and offense, and after that, I was I was hooked. All right, yeah, I think that that year's funny because it kind of, I think you probably, yeah, I don't think you can underestimate it. I think from a, a sort of probably more global point of view of uh, of of how many people it brings into the, a team and how many you know how many people it can kind of captivate and get them kind of inside uh, the coaches, the organization. Most people hate it, but it. Uh, it definitely serves a purpose in terms of people recruiting, recruitment to league and fan bases and whatnot. Um, and a little bit closer to home, uh, also Matt, we're going to call him HH so we don't get confused. Um, but uh, mate, what's your story and uh, how close are you sitting right now to energy? It looks pretty sunny outside for uh, compared to the rest of us here. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, well, I'm a, a Texas-raised guy myself. Um, when I was getting into football, it's hard not to when you're in Texas. It's ever, like everywhere. Um, it was always, you know, Cowboys or, or Texans. And, uh, my grandpa actually was, uh, an IBM software engineer and he helped set up a uh, mission control at NASA. So it felt sort of natural for me to fall for the, the Southern team, you know, uh, it was right around like the late 2000s. So I was right at like the peak of like the Kubiak, Rick Smith, uh, Matt Schaub trilogy, so to speak. Uh, and then it was, uh, 2013 was probably the biggest moment. 
me and my uh, roommate at the time would always do uh, season opening games. And uh, the first one was in 2011. So we figured we were good luck. So we kept on coming back. But it was uh, 2013, uh, the infamous 2013 opening season, uh, where it was, uh, I can remember it vividly. He was telling me uh, this article he read about how much Matt Schaub had worked and how much better he was going to be. And it was almost poetic. Right as he finished was the first pass, which ended up being a pick six right back. Uh, so that was a hard season. But that was also, in retrospect, DeAndre Hopkins' rookie year. And so there was a lot of positive takeaways, you know, sort of changing up the guard. So I figured, you know, even though we have some bumps in the road, it, there's always brighter futures. Little did I know what would be down the road, though. All right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my first, that first ever game was, Paris was 20, uh, 20, 2012, yeah, Buffalo at home. Fitzpatrick was playing um, for Buffalo at the time. And Mario Williams had just signed that big deal after he left Houston. Um, and, uh, yeah, I remember we missed the first touchdown as well, trying to drive, we're driving back from the NASCAR on so the Saturday. And we missed the first touchdown. I think that was Owen Daniels. Um, and it was a boot, bootleg play action. Adrian Foster, Adrian Foster running the ball and it was uh, I remember that and you think of all the good you know you think of all, all the bad times but I remember that day the place was absolutely rocking and the atmosphere was great um, and it's never been ever quite close to that I think the team has kind of wo- <laughs> worn on people a lot um, from every subsequent visit but yeah you know it's all cyclical that's what we keep, I keep telling myself and hopefully at some point the tide will start to turn. I don't know if it'll be this season, but we'll 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 chop it up. But I suppose it's we talked about last week about it being one move at a time, and it's going to take a while for people to people to slowly get things in a place right across the building to try and to try and take one step at a time. So, from uh, Bjorn, what would you say is your favorite move of the off season so far? I mean, uh, it, it's not so much a, a favorite moment for in the sense that it's so good uh it's more that i think the way that i hope that the defense can be revamped uh i think the whole thing about the defense is, is interesting with lobby coming in uh implementing a new system with uh with bmac being traded uh and replaced we get lawson and uh and kirksey not kirksey back but we signed him as a replacement uh and hopefully with with the new coaching staff we can kind of get out of the the tracks that have been for the couple of years a couple of past years where it frankly has just been going uh, going worse and worse uh so i think yeah that that's my i i'm i'm also i'm i'm interested to see what what collins can bring uh on the d line i think he could be uh, not not a star but certainly very solid and somebody to to anchor around uh so yeah that that's my my most interesting and favorite move of the offseason. Do you know, I had to think there for a second when you said Collins, and I, it literally took me about three or four seconds to remember who, who you meant, because <laughs> we've signed so many players this year. I think Malik Collins is a funny one, isn't he? Because he's, cause he's kind of like... Yeah. He's... Yeah. I mean, he his, his tape at Dallas, I remember playing Dallas in 2018 and actually thinking, yeah, he looks like a bit of a player. Um, but I, I, I think just he's, he's forming. We've seen that a lot of times with... with with John Gruden, and he doesn't waste time. And if you're not if you're not meeting his expectation of what he brought you in for, you don't last long. So, yeah, one year in, in Vegas, and he's looking to rebound. But yeah, I mean, he's got production. I think. And I think there's a common theme with all these guys we've brought in this year. Um, they've either been injured or lacking form, um, or perhaps yeah. unproven uh, with some potential. So there's definitely not many sure things. But but um, Matt, what do you think? What's your favorite move of the off season? Even even the name Collins has the exact same as you. you scroll down, scroll down the sort of notes. It was like, oh, uh, what Collins is he talking about on the on the defensive side of the ball? But I think one of the the, the moves that has excited me the most, or that I've been pleased with the most, looking back at it, even though I may not have been happy, certainly wasn't happy at the time with the way that it was done and the way that it was reported. Super excited for Nick Casario. Um, over the next couple of months and hopefully years uh, under his uh, reign. Uh, I think we cried out whenever Rick Smith was here for someone who was bold, someone who had a strategy and someone to move forward quickly. 
I think then whenever we got uh, Bill O'Brien as our GM, and sure, of course, there was uh, a sort of a guy in between there. We didn't really see that much. Uh, whenever Bob came in and became our GM, I think we were a wee bit uncertain if the bold moves were ever going to pay off. But uh, look, I am like Nick Sarah hasn't really put a foot wrong in my eyes. There was the draft, which I think he'd done well enough in uh, to sort of gain a little bit of trust. There was that one move that he did. Um, I think it was the sixth round. Uh, he took sort of the, he traded a pick to the Bills for the 107th, and then he traded that 107th away again so that he could get down to the 170th. I think that's the only move that, I'm, that I haven't been sort of okay with. It just didn't make any sense to me. Uh, signing every linebacker in the NFL, I'm totally on board with that. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's considering I was quite critical of him, and it wasn't until actually I spoke to Texans Cap. If nobody follows Troy, I suggest you do. He's got a great insight into the numbers, and yeah. and, and he's got one a hell of a spreadsheet. Yeah. He keeps up with it. Um, but he, uh, but he, he said to me actually, I because I said to him, "What's the most you can carry over from year to year?" Because my point with Casero is he spent too much money and too many bets hoping that some of them will pay off. But I think yeah. what Troy said yeah. was actually, you've got to remember that there's a three-year minimum they have to spend. And if Watson's off the books in a year's time, this is probably the best year to do it. So I'm like, well, Casario's a lot smarter than I am. So I thought I'll yield to, you know, yeah. that's the hope that it wasn't just, he, he wasn't on commission. Because <laughs> uh, it felt like that at times when we keep signing players and we kept signing players. Um, but, you know, I think, you know, when, when you take lots of low-risk bets, you know, if three or four of them pay off, it might be worth it. We'll come back to that in a second. Um, but uh, <clears throat> Matt, too, are you? Uh, are you? What's your favorite move of the off season? I mean, alluding to what you said earlier, like there's uh, a rhyme and a reason in terms of like a proven track record to all of Casario's moves. Uh, but the one that uh, honestly left my jaw on the floor was Pep Hamilton coming in the door. Uh, I. From my understanding, he had other offers on the table. I know he was in the running for the Miami gig, which would have been pretty nice. Uh, so I'm not sure what exactly he's chasing here. Maybe it's potentially like a promotion in, in the wings. Uh, but I'm sure as heck happy he's here. You know, uh, There's nobody with a more proven track record in terms of like developing a young QB than him. So that's definitely a big feather in the cap for Casario. Yeah, I mean, I just wonder if he's got, if he's got a QB to develop. Do you think he does? Uh, no, not at the moment, personally. Uh, I mean, we can go all, all day about Davis Mills or whatnot, but eventually the proof will be in the pudding. Uh, but I think uh, getting his roots and his culture in year one will be good whenever his eventual pupil does walk in those doors. Seen it in a number of places right now, and a number of outlets, different metrics, different studies have said that you know this is the worst roster in the league. Is that something we agree with? I mean, the only other guys that are in contention with us would be uh, probably like the Lions uh, or the Eagles, but you can you can easily name all their star players. And we were talking, I mean, you you were talking a couple of podcasts ago just about uh, like who do we put on the program? You know, I think that that in of itself pretty much gives you your answer. Yeah, I think uh, I think if you take our, our roster on paper, um, I mean, we still you and, you and you put aside all the news, you put aside everything that. It's going on in the background. I think the media has been tarred with that, but we still have a top three. It's certainly a top three, like if not top two QB on the on the roster. That has to bump us up at least a, at least a couple of spaces. He may not come back. Um, he may not play this year. But for a simple unbiased media perspective, we've got a top five, top three QB on the roster. We've got a, a pretty solid, um, pretty solid offense. I think we've changed our offensive line coach as well. We've addressed the needs I think that we had in the offseason bar a, a, not really too confident looking at it at our, at our wideout core. Uh, Cooks had a cracking season last year. Uh, you know, we got Nico Collins in as well. I think it's going to be a good stud, a good big body receiver. Uh, you know, we did lose Fuller, uh, but I think, we, I think we're still okay on that side of the ball. Defense, no doubt, has improved player by player. Uh, I mean, I think we deserve to move up maybe 10 spots just because we don't have Philip Gaines on the roster anymore. Uh, so I don't think our, our roster is as bad as what people put out or what people think. Uh, we have a lot of guys who can prove it. Our running back core has definitely gotten better as well uh, with Philip Lindsay coming in. Uh, we got Burkhead as well there, I think, real randomly. I mean, what was that, three or four weeks ago? Uh, we're not going to have to see... Uh, sort of Duke, John, Duke Johnson trying to catch or David Johnson trying to catch we can flip those boys in and 
I think our O-line we're going to come to later on has gotten slightly better as well. Um, so I think all around we could, we could, I'm, I'm an optimist at heart. <laughs> so do take this all with a pinch of salt and let that tell your view. But from a simple paper perspective, I don't think with a top five, top three QB on the, even though he may never play again, we cannot be the worst roster in the league. Bjorn, what do you think of that? I suppose most people are working on the assumption that Deshaun will certainly not contribute in any any great shape this season. Um, him aside, if you take the you know the remaining fifty two, assuming you have to hold keep keep him as a roster spot until things get concluded, if he's not on the exempt list, would you where do you place this roster in terms of league wide talent? Because I think when you know like like Matt said there before, who'd you put on the program? Who are your who are your guys? I was thinking, who are your guys who who would quite easily walk into another locker room and get game time? And I don't know if there's too many of them. What do you think? Yeah, well, I, I'm completely agreeing with Matt that uh, as long as we have him, or if you if you work under the, the assumption that Deshaun is playing and he's being valued as the top two or three QB that he is, then this is definitely not the worst roster because just having that level of QB play has to elevate you to at least top 25, I think. But if you uh, don't count uh, Deshaun, I am completely fine with saying that this is the worst roster in the league. Uh, <laughs> but also, I, I'm 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 a, I'm a pessimist at heart, so you have to uh, take that into account too. But uh, what I think, I mean, I think that the offense is is interesting, and I think it's solid. Uh, I think as as long as I mean Tyrod can get in and play and play at a decent level, I think the offense is going to be all right. I think that we have enough pieces on both the the line positions and the skill position players and a ton of running backs that somebody has to succeed. I'm more worried about the defense, uh, if we can generate the pressure that we need uh, in order to give our secondary a chance because our secondary is probably, in my opinion, our worst part of the roster. I have no faith at all. Uh, in uh, basically any of the guys we have there. Uh, we have no s- real superstars. We have no stars at all. I mean, and I, I don't want to really put my faith in Justin Reed to suddenly break out uh, because I've hoped for him to do that over the past couple of years, but he hasn't done it. So I, I'm fine with us being the the worst roster in the league, but I also see that we have the potential to be maybe as high as 20 if Deshaun plays and it all works out. And yeah, and has everybody strapped himself in and, and said their goodbyes to Dijon, or does anybody got a an inkling or a hope that that he might he might play in some form again, even if it's just as a temporary measure before a move's made? Personally, I think uh, beyond that, like the McNairs have made their decision. I think he's done. I think he won't play uh, one snap for the Texans again. I think that relationship is uh, is broken. Yeah, I think there's an element of that as well. I think the well, I, I mean, the question probably I'd ask um, Matt Reed there is: is do you, you know, what, what's the difference between Green Bay, who who is a quarterback who wants out, and they've said no way? Seattle had a quarterback who said he wanted out or threatened he wanted out, and they said no way. And then Houston got a quarterback who wants out, and they say yeah, okay. I completely uh, resonate with that. Totally on board. You know, there's. Two other situations, I think, especially Rogers and Green Bay, is something that is a storyline that will probably come, uh, uh, will probably say will be followed even through the season. I think with Watson, I just uh, you put your tinfoil hats on, uh, get yourself ready for so much conspiracy theories. I don't think anybody really knows why Watson wants out. Um, there was reports, rumors, uh, I saw on Twitter anyway from from Sarge and a few others uh, that he had a meeting with with Cully on Friday. Uh, reports and rumours again that there's going to be maybe a, a settlement in court um, with, with what's going on there and again stick your tinfoil hat on and, 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 and get down on your knees and pray that maybe uh, Watson will realise that uh, whatever bad blood there was with the organisation like they uh, at times they did what they had to do I think the benefit of the doubt needs to be thrown at the GM hire um, I think they've if maybe tried to help him a wee bit with the allegations but ultimately they can't do much and I think Watson's hurt himself as much as anyone else uh, could have hurt him through uh, the allegations that have come out that wasn't the Texans fault they did nothing there um, I'm not sure 
if I were a team like Miami who are trying to build around Tua, if I were a team like the Eagles who you know have, have a great fan base, would I want to be bringing in that sort of character um, into my locker room, someone who has these allegations behind him? Or if I was even Watson, would I want to move at this time um, when these things aren't settled? There was even reports he was going to come to training camp if it had been on after the OTAs. Um, so I don't know. I think Watson's a fighter. I think he's a guy who wants to play, uh, whether that be uh, in the first game for the Texans. I think if he's not traded, I, I can't see him getting traded before the start of the season. I think he'll try to he'll try to get his fitness back and he'll try to try to play. Whether then we re- revisit this next off season and his value's up again because he's a great player um, and Nick sort of cashes in on him. I don't know. I just it's so it's such murky waters, and there's he said she said both. Uh, in the, the Texans organization and the, the, the Twitter journalists that we would all follow. You know, you just don't know what, what could happen. Uh, and and was that, do. sorry, I must have missed that at the weekend. Um, was, that, was that last Friday then, that, the, the report meeting? The second meeting the two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, well, no, again, like, yes, because the first, yes, the first was so productive. Uh, I think there was reports in the first meeting with Cully that he just sort of walked in and said, I'm not traded. That was obviously before all the allegations came out. Uh, but yeah, there was reports, rumours again. That's what I will say. I'll use the word rumours uh, because I think that's what Sarge reported on. Uh, if, if you follow Sarge yeah, yeah. Sports on Twitter, I think he said there was rumours of a, of a meeting on Friday. Um, that's all I have heard. Uh, I try to keep as up-to-date as, as anyone <laughs> on the Texans news, but uh, that's all I've heard. No reports of what happened, what was said, what went on. But again, if, a, if there's a meeting with the head coach of the Texans, unless it's walking in saying, look, I still want to be traded no matter what happens to these allegations or how much you support me or whatever, I think anything other than that would probably be a bonus. Yeah, interesting to see. He was with his agent as he got all these pros together for a weekend. Um, they're very vocal on social media. Um, yeah. make it that what you will um, but we'll see if uh, if there's a change of position because I think yeah, I've said it many times this off season I think nobody could ever disagree that you know this team will never be better off without them than you use you know your chances of replacing them even coming a player close to that is, is so tough um, but who will know if, if that'll come together Watson aside because it feels a beat that one to death this offseason. Is there any players on this roster that you think guys are long-term pieces that you think you could see being around right through the rebuild? Is there anyone on this roster you think either, you know, got a leap to make um, or somebody who you just think perhaps we've not quite seen yet that you've got a good feeling about? Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I think that mostly on defense, we got guys that really can make leaps uh, i'm thinking like d-line i i like what jonathan martin could bring uh the same with the many who uh i mean lonnie johnson as well uh has shown potential uh people believe in him uh and like i said before i have had my hopes up for justin reed to break out over the past two years but he hasn't done it but i think that the the potential is there for those guys and uh Maybe with with a new coaching staff now, uh, we could could see that development. And then obviously we got uh, the guy with the guys with the draft capital uh, on the O line with uh, Sharping and and Howard uh, that I think obviously have that that potential to to develop. So yeah, th- those are the main guys that I'd focus on. And then seeing for I think we got obviously the guys that are already up there and could be pillars for the future. I'm thinking Cunningham, I'm thinking Tunstall. Uh, we really need those guys to, to step up and be be the leaders that they can be and that they should be. Uh, because without them, uh, I don't really see a pathway for the other guys to, to develop. So we need the high level play for at least some guys to then the other guys having people to follow in their footsteps and, and develop uh, too. I was watching the 2018 2018- Eagles game back. I uh, just watched a couple of 2018 games the other day. And partly mining about Justin Reed was that, you know, it's a contract year for him. He has 
or my defence of him, he played well in 2018 as the third safety. But if you watch that game, he doesn't play well. You watch, you watch Zach Cunningham get beat up on an easy wheel route for a big gain. He's, you know, his biggest hot flaw in his game, despite giving him over 13.5 million APY in that new deal. He can't really cover the pass. So, you know, they're, they're probably your two biggest hopes on defense. Um, and their film, you know, sketchy at best. Um, do you think Justin Reed's, you know, got the potential to, to, to be the player everybody thought he would be? And do you think Zach Cunningham can bounce back from last season's, you know, incredible inconsistencies, particularly in the run game? Well, I'm very hopeful, just like everyone else is, about Justin Reed finally taking the leap, quote unquote. I mean, uh, Tyron Matthew, when he was here, spoke nothing but highly about him. And that's something you usually don't hear. I mean, look at how Ross Blacklock got treated by J.J. Watt, you know. Uh, But, I mean, to your point, yeah, he just really has not shown it. Uh, When he comes downhill, he usually is not always making the right decision, which is weird because he's usually a very intelligent player. Uh, I like in terms of, like, his leadership, what he brings to the defense, but I'm not holding out hope. And to your point with Cunningham, yeah, these seem like, great athletes great guys but fundamentally flawed for what we're asking them to do uh so that leaves me a little bit you know pessimistic about that yeah matt reed what do you think in terms of building blocks is there any anybody on this roster yeah so i was just going to nip in there uh because i think that question that you posed you know who are the cornerstones of our of our franchise sort of going forward there really are uh not too many especially if we do get get rid of deshaun i think as we've said before you know watson elevates talent and the, the the wide receiver core you've got cooks i think is a great receiver um but maybe you know a few head injuries away from uh, maybe retirement aside from that i think the the the, the main guys who've been signed as well have all been signed on one-year deals um you know guys who were excited about have come in and my fear is that anyone who plays this year who's on a one-year deal uh, realizes that he could get a lot more money elsewhere, or he could get success elsewhere. Um, and so they, you know, my I always go back to Philip Lindsay. I think he's going to be a great player. I think he's a great running back. I was so surprised that we were able to get him, and that Denver didn't uh, try a wee bit harder to get him. But after this season, Philip Lindsay could get you know however many yards, and you know we could be really excited for next season. But he's on a one year deal, and he can clear off to wherever he wants after this. And so there's really no, as, as sad and as realistic as it is to say, there's no there's no cornerstones for the franchise to build on. And so how does a how does a rebuild happen if you don't have anything to build on at all? I mean, even from the standpoint of a coaching staff, I can't see Cully being here in three or four years' time. No, I think you're right. I think you know he said he's been brought in to to build on this situation or or take the situation it is. Um, Bjorn, what do you think? You know, you've got Cooks there mentioned. He's, you know, he's got his contract reworked. He's only got two years left. You got Zach Cunningham, love what four years left after this, so he might be be around. But you know, you've got a number of guys, you know, of that twenty seventeen draft, twenty eighteen draft class. Justin Reed, Jordan Aikens, Kiki QT coming up for contract years. Can you see any of those guys at least being extended into second year deals? Um, and being part of the future? Well, I, I think that that's one of the few things that are actually good about this season, that we have a lot of players that has the ability to make that leap and also have the incentive to make that leap with the fact that they are in contract years. So like you said, a guy like Aikens, uh, the oldest guy in the NFL. Uh, but the for, for the amount of guys that we have that have that potential, I think it's great that they also are in contract years because that might light a bit more of a flame uh, under them to uh, to deliver and to work as hard as they possibly can to to earn that money. Yeah, and I I, I think you know like Philip Philip Lindsay is a, a good example of that, but he was on a restricted tender or or some variety of that mechanic under the CBA, and you know Denver decided to, to release him. So I don't know where he is health wise. You know, every player will always tell you in interviews they're feeling their best or you know they've you know recovered better from injury or what have you, but. You know the reality will be um, right across. You know we'll, we'll find out when training camp rolls around. I suppose when you get the reports of of who is actually healthy and who looks, you know, like they're going to be able to come and um, contri- contribute.
a guy that falls into that category is Justin Britt. Um, do you see him, you know, we'll talk about a bit about the O-line, but do you see him being the starting centre? Yeah, I think we've uh, I think we've lost either, Matt. Yeah, I think, again, I was reading an article there on The Athletic uh, by their Houston Texans correspondent. I think it's, uh, I think it's Aaron Rees, yeah, R-E-I-S-S. Yeah. No idea how to pronounce that. Uh, but I think in OTAs, uh, Britt was starting at centre there, so... Uh, yeah, I, th- I think I think the O line looks uh, in a decent shape uh, with Britt, and I think it's is it Toner as well. He's sort of the backup center. Who uh, there's just been such a uh, a turnover in players that it's hard to it's hard to keep track of who's playing where and who's even in our team. To be fair, uh, and then left guard uh, it seems to be sharpening. But yeah, I think I'm happy enough with with Britt there. A lot of these players seem to be coming off. Or coming off the back of seasons with injuries, that worries me as well. But uh, it looks like Brits maybe, maybe as you say, you know, saying that he's fit, saying that he's healthy. So, yeah, I'm, I'm happy going into the season with a new O line and a new O line coach as well, which I'm heavily excited about. Yeah, I think you could probably underestimate. I mean, when you saw the investment in the talent and then the, the level of performance of last year was just, you know, it just was inexcusable. The O line, I think. You know, you even heard that like late into 2018 about the players, you know, complaining about what they were working on in practice. And, and you know, and you, you saw that. I mean, 2018, they just gradually couldn't run the ball was the season and just physically couldn't do it. And that, you know, re, you know, reemerged itself last year, you know, obviously being the, the ground attack or the poorest ground attack in, in the league. And I think I think what 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 will be fundamental about this team is can they run the ball um, this year? Because they're going to have to balance out the lack of passing attack, but but um, but Bjorn, in terms of those three interior guys, it looks like it could be two, if not all three, replacements from last year. Who do you see? Can kind of, you know? And and this is one of the true positions that you do have starters or true starters. But uh, Bjorn, who do you think your, your three guys in there will be when the week one rolls around? Well, uh, I think it's uh, surely going to be Brett at center. Uh, I'm think I think Sharping at left guard. Uh, Right guard, I'm not too sure about. Have we seen who's been playing there during the OTAs? Has it been Cannon, or is he thought about as being a swing tackle? Well, yeah, that, I think that's the big question, isn't it? I think, you know, but I, I, yeah, I mean, the, the the move that I disliked the most this offseason was Marcus Cannon. You think when all the investment you've put in, you know, you've got three years worth of draft picks and first round draft picks at that into the tackle position, then you go and trade for another one. Um, and move out, you know, a couple of spots in the draft and take you out basically. And Casario admitted by the time they got to that stage of the draft, they didn't have anybody left on their board. Um, so it's a difficult one. I think, yeah, they, I think I think it's perhaps it's it's canon there, but which makes even less sense when you think of the job that Rod Johnson's done in the last couple of years. I think he's been, you know, he's one of he's probably one of the most improved, if not the most improved player in at the ball club. I think, and to to, to go and invest in that position again. You know, fair enough. It's a premium position, but it's a strange one. I think, yeah, for me, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm not entirely even sure if Justin Britt will play um, center. Yeah, so I think on that on that line front, I think there was there was talk or so I saw it somewhere of saying that that Hard will potentially move into that right guard position. Um, which again, I just as you said, you know, you're he's been playing right tackle, um, and then you go away and you trade for Cannon, and that's that's where I think. Cannon will be. I think Nick Casario was brought in there. He knows him from from New England. I think that's where he's going to slot in, and they're just going to move hard inside, which is where that sort of right side of our of our own line. I'm just not too sure um, whether I like the movement that's happening on that right side, hard inside. Much prefer him at, at right tackle rather than a guard. Yeah, because I mean, I talked about that earlier in the off season. I thought of either there's very very few players um, that you know that. That we've got young guys under the rookie wage skill who could be here in years time. One of probably you know one of the few guys, maybe Ross Black, Lonnie Johnson, Max Sharpen, you know, the, you know, you could count them on one hand, and and a lot of them are all big ifs. And you think to to endanger Howard's development and move him into guard, guard when he's already played left guard. He started off uh, his, his rookie year. He's already played, you know, he's already played, you know, the most number of games at right tackle. But I suppose, I mean, it might be a case that they perhaps just don't trust him health wise. Uh, Matt Robinson, what do you think? In terms of, in terms of uh, Howard Howard moving inside, uh, yeah, this has sort of been like the the unexpected, most common off season storyline that I did not you know expect to see at all. 
you know, you take a, a very promising right tackle who really was going against some pretty good pass rushers last season and holding his own on a, on a pretty pass-heavy team, you know, uh, towards the end of the season after B.O.B. Uh, and so the idea of just, like, you know, completely squandering all that and throwing him inside for, and we even talked about this after the trade, uh, you mentioned your gripes with it, uh, for a guy that, you know, completely sat out last year, is coming off an injury, and had very limited production when he was a tackle, you know, considering he was blocking Tom Brady. Uh, so I think, you know, there's a lot of, of concerns about that. Uh, you know, I, in every national media person, when they review the offseason, they also have cannon at guard. So I, I wonder how much of this is just, you know, some little buzzwords to get us talking and how much of there's actual validity to that. Uh, originally, I thought that Lane Taylor was going to end up grabbing the right guard spot because, you know, that he originally had that in Green Bay before injuries derailed him. So sort of throws a, a, a wrench in it. I think it could be any one of those four guys holding down the interior. Yeah, I mean, if again, and the question is, is if healthy, but he, I think he played one game last year. I think he missed the majority, if not played a, couple, a small handful of games the year prior. So he's a guy who's not really played football in two years. So, you know, but Lane Taylor, I think, if you consider his, his links with with uh, with with the coach at the O line position, um, then I think you know he's he's probably a guy who I think you know has got a very good chance of making this roster. Um, and and in, in terms of the backup positions, guys, have you got any thoughts? I mean, so uh, and after the draft, I watched tape both of Green and Ryan McCollum, and Ryan McCollum at center, I think, for a guy who. You know, I think, and when you watch, <laughs> when you watch that Texas A and M line in college last year, um, it was pretty special. It was, it was one of the guys that were all. I think three out of the four, three, three of the five are all seniors, and 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 they and they, they you know they got Kellen Mond drafted perhaps higher than he might have done if he wasn't on a good team. And look, you can see that about any quarterback, but I think I think definitely those two guys. Um, I've got a chance, um, just as anybody, you know, just as anybody. I know they signed Christian uh, Gary on Christian later on. They've got the guy Field Tort on the on the roster as well. Um, bit of a Scandinavian name, and then for you, but Bjorn, is there any uh, is there any guy you, you, you've got you've got a feeling that might make the backup on this roster beyond the beyond the uh, you know providing some depth because you saw that you know in previous years when Greg Mance you know came in and filled in admirably and, and Nick Martin's. Um, rookie season and you think you know if you go back and look at that you know they were offered a late round pick by Philadelphia at the trade deadline end up cutting Nick Martin after giving him a deal and they sort of invested in the wrong guy so I think competition the preached um, who do you think is going to provide the competition in these spots it's a tight one again you don't know who is starting we're not really sure who's moving about you know you mentioned Roderick Johnson as well who you know, who could back up in a couple of positions there if he's not starting. Lane Taylor as well, you said, could make a good shot at starting. And so I think, you know, you, you preach. I think the unfortunate thing about Casario is that we had a GM and a coach last year who preached uh, cliches um, and just came off with just sort of this, <laughs> the same cliche one after another. Um, but, but Nick preaches the same sort of cliches of competition, and you know, performing from day one, and look at the OTAs. There wasn't there weren't too many there, even who I don't think Hard and Cannon even practicing the OTAs. So I think, um, you know, they're going to be maybe even down a peg from uh, from a coaching standpoint. You know, the 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 sort of three in the middle of of uh, Sharping, uh, McCrory, and Brett started in, in OTAs, and so I think there's just going to be a lot of competition. I think we're going to see a lot of brutal decisions as well some guys cut that especially from the o-line and the d-line that maybe we thought could have made um a couple of a couple of moves into there or a couple of games at least uh, but the backup on the on the o-line i think we're i'm just excited to see an o-line who can block for the pass you know or block for the run sorry um you know i think i just i'm so glad that devlin's not here anymore um, so I, I think I'm happy enough with any five players who have been coached by anyone bar Devlin uh, <laughs> to line I mean, up. You could think Charlie Heck. You know, I know it was it was a strange fourth round selection coming out of North Carolina, but you know, you think Hitman or Rod Johnson are not necessarily going to be on both on the roster unless they're going to take five tackles, which they might. Um, but you know, typically you take four. Um, and you've got some guys who can maybe kick, kick inside as well and outside, and then you can get 
keep their your extra you know they're your extra man you know probably the eighth or ninth guy you'll take on the roster but again it just shows you a fourth round pick from a year ago it's another misuse of of uh, of resources you know when you when you had other other spots to fill and you know it's going to be an interesting cut down at that spot so I was just saying there that I think Heck came in there sort of for the for the last two games was it and just got from memory uh, obliterated uh, guys just ran past him so again as you say a fourth round pick so part of me thinks they maybe wanted to tempt his his dad over to help coach the team at that stage but that, that's the that's the only reason I can think of wasting a fourth round pick on Heck he just he looked way off the pace in the games that he played. Yeah, I think that was the knock. I think coming out of college, pass protection was sketchy and run run blocking wasn't too bad. And, you know, he was part of that improved line that, that blocked, you know, when they, when they switched the zone. I think for me, guys, I don't know if you've got any reflections, but in terms of in terms of how they're going to run the ball and what sort of scheme they're going to run, I, I don't think anybody knows. And when you think of all the different guys they've brought in, you think, you know, maybe that's why they brought in Cannon. Uh, because he suits the style they want to run the ball at, and perhaps Titus Howard. I don't. I think his pass protection is definitely his, his strong suit over his run blocking. So, you know, do you have any thoughts in terms of you know how they're going to run the ball and how they're going to improve from last year? Yeah, I think uh, that's probably like the biggest knock you could probably put on uh, on Howard would be his run blocking. So if that's based on like their signings in the offseason, it does seem like they're going to be a very run heavy team. So if that's truly something they're trying to emphasize, then you know maybe I can buy into that. But uh, to your point, it just seems like a, a gross mismanagement of resources. Like both the cannon, the heck, all of it could just be used on just grabbing a developmental guard, you know, which Campen has proven he can he can develop. Uh, but to your point, yeah, it does seem like they have a very set in stone way. I think they're going to sort of do a marriage of uh, what Baltimore is doing with a little bit of what they did in New England which is the starting running back is the healthiest running back on hand. Uh, but yeah, uh, it's there's still a lot up in the air in terms of what they're trying to do here. Yeah, I think, I suppose for me, I think if you're going to run power, um, that's fine. But uh, I'm not sure if that's what Tunsil's great at. And he, he's, the, he's the guy who's got all the investment uh, behind him and, you know, a big reason why we're in this position. And, you know, from... From everyone I've seen, he's more of a zone blocker, and he's because he's a big athletic guy, he can get out in space. But he certainly didn't look like he fancied it a lot of the time um, in the run game last year. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's the concern. I think yeah, you know, will Camden give give this unit a lift? I think just by being a better teacher, being you know a, a better you know more disciplined and a better schooled you know starting five. Um, I think the answer is yes. But just exactly how they'll do that, and hopefully they'll find something and they'll stick to it and you know have a have a go-to, you know, set of proficiencies. Because I think what the biggest issue with Mike Devlin was, and I think he hamstrung Tim Kelly last year, was he just, he changed week to week. It was that game plan offense stuff that Bill O'Brien preached all the time. They changed the running style week to week. And it just meant you had five guys that were, that just didn't have, you know, a, a set, you know, a set, you know, number of favorite plays that they want to go and, you know, knock out a linebacker and, you know, clear a hole for the running back. They just didn't have a proficient go-to. And uh, and if, if that's one thing we get from the season, then I think it'll be, you know, it will it will make us more competitive, but it's a big F, I think, at this stage, and particularly when you don't know who the starting five are going to be. Um, guys, Mark, Max Sharpen, um, you think he's he's got enough left in the tank? Good rookie year, sophomore slump, what do you reckon? You know, as, as you say, you just don't know where the front five are going. Um, you've no idea what, <laughs> what these guys are thinking, and, and for, for the for, for the amount that we've give up for other players. But I think you know, as as the other Matt said, you know, you're looking to develop guys, you're looking to bring them on, and you know, I, I think one of my favorite Devlin quotes was whenever he said that Tunsil could be taking the training, which was just exceptional. So whenever you've got that sort of a coach, you can understand why Sharpling would have had a down year um, after his sort of. I wouldn't say burst onto the scene, but he certainly played well in his first season. Um, so I think he can regain that that sort of form, uh, flit in and out of the of the starting line, and and see how see how he goes. You know, again, how many snaps he's going to get? I'm not too sure. I think I would rather see a set five compared to what we had last year, where you know, uh, the guys were switching it quite yeah. frequently. You had even sort of mid-game. I think a couple of players switched from right guard to right tackle. And, you know, it's just it boggles the mind whenever you think back to it. I've sort of, I've, I've you know, <laughs> I've compartmentalized that sort of season, and, 
as we as we remind ourselves of how truly bad that O line was. I, I just sort of uh, not great, but I think Sharping, yeah, I think Sharping deserves a spot. There's no doubt about it. I think he has a lot, a lot more to give. I think with the right coach um, and and good partners in the O line. I think Sharping could be could be a solid player. Yeah, and I think that's it, isn't it? It's cohesion, and it's this it's the most important part of that of the whole team is is the cohesion between those five guys. And yeah, when they were subbing out Kilimani, they brought on Brink Cavill towards the end of the season, you know. And I think it, and Sharping was in there, then he was out. And, and look, and Max did not play well last year. And I, and look, I, I hate I hate when people you know base their perception of their off season program on you know social media workouts. Um, but it doesn't seem like it works that hard if you were based on that. So, so I don't know. I think it's like any of these guys. I think you've got to find out: do they love the game? Do they love football? Are they, are they invested to, to you know, to, to do what they need to do to get better? And as a you know, and one thing O'Brien did say that was always true: it's a gradual improvement. Like you have to keep improving, um, and we'll find out if Max wants it or not. But I hope he does because he's one of the few guys who have picked up high. You know, as part of that Dwayne Brown trade. You know that you had you know had some irons in the fire for potential roster spots and quality players and quality starters to try and give you some sort of some formation of a roster um, that might have a composition to be competitive. But yeah, I think there's a lot to be decided, particularly those interior three spots. I think it could be anyone. I know Drew Doherty said um, this off season that be prepared for a shock at that spot. So we'll wait and see. Um, where that comes in. in. In terms of the tight ends beyond, um, obviously you got Jordan Aitkins in a contract year. We've got a trade from for basically a blocking tight end from New England. You've got Cahali wearing an enigma. Nobody's quite sure what he might be. Um, and then you've got a, a surprise brave in Jordan pick in there as well. What's your What do you make of the tight end position? And do you think that might be a plus for us? Because I think since CJ Fedora's retired, Albeit he wasn't, you know, he wasn't, uh, wasn't certainly a premier talent, but he was, a, he was, he was, a, you know, was a rising talent until he got an injury. We've not really had anybody who's kind of been a go-to consistent target throughout the season. Can you see any emerge from there? And who's your sort of top three or four guys you think might make this fifty-three? Well, um, I think that you know, as we talked about earlier, that Aikens has the most to prove and also the most. He, he's the most probable to to prove something to us. I mean, I, I think he has he has slashed at times. Uh, he has the speed. He has the athleticism to to do it. Uh, and hopefully, he can take that step. Uh, I wouldn't count on it though. Uh, but hopefully, he can do that. I think, like you said, Izzo being brought in from New England as a blocker. I think he makes the roster just based on that. Uh, and then I think that Brevin Jordan is going to be safe unless he really crabs to bed in training camp because I mean with the, the draft capital that they invested uh, I think he is he's a very interesting prospect I am actually not that like unhappy with that pick because I think that when you have the roster uh, build that we have right now when you have the the difficulties coming up that this team's going to have I think I mean taking a shot at a an athletic tight end like that uh, who can maybe develop into something very interesting. Uh, I think it's, it's it's fine. And then I think Farrell Brown actually showed pretty good last year at times. I'm interested to see if he can continue and be just a stable tight end uh, with solid NFL production. So I think it's going to be those four guys. Matt Reed, what do you think, Farrell Brown? He certainly looked like he was developing into the role quite nicely uh, towards the end of the season. I know he he made a bit of a crass tweet about his check still clears even when the team was uh, when the team was kind of down and out. But I mean, his on field production looked you know looked like there was potential. There he was a big player at Oregon. Is is he in your top four? And and who's the other three if he is? Yeah, I think uh, yeah, I think Brown would be there. As you said, made made a couple of good plays towards. Uh, the end of last season, I think it was was it the Tennessee game uh, where he just absolutely bulldozed someone uh, on the far side of the field. Um, yeah, I think I think Farrell Brown has done well. I just I knew there was a lot of hype around uh, Cahill Waring, and I just have no idea how he has made it this far in the NFL to to, to get a roster spot last year. Um, so I think I think it's time to. To let him go, maybe let him just sort of sit in the in the practice squad for a season, uh, call him up needs be. But yeah, bar that, Aikens. I was quite excited about the the, the 
the Jordan pick as well. Uh, some good reports to him, some good film as well. Uh, seems to have nice hands, uh, quite athletic. So he's got the, you know, he's got the measurements. Um, so yeah, I think, I think those four would be my four as well. Aikens, Jordan, Brown, and then, and then Izzo. Matt Robinson, you, are you out on the Kahali wearing? I think he's, I think really for me, I think you, you think Brown's going to make it. Brevin, Jordan and Aikens, you know, Brevin's probably a replacement for Aikens, I think, you know, in terms of physical profile and, is the you know do you take you know who's who's the fourth spot there is it is it is it Waring or is uh, Izzo or Quisenberry you know out of those three you'll keep probably one inline blocker um, what do you think Yeah uh, I think Aikens and and Brown has pretty much earned his spot after last year so the real question is uh, does Ryan Izzo steal somebody's job you know and uh, in that draft you know when we took uh, Waring. Uh, you know, that was the big storyline is we took two tight ends or, or, or however many we took, uh, and neither of them really knew the position, you know? So I always thought that was an eyebrow raise and Waring has done nothing to show me that he has actually learned anything in his time in Houston. You know, I would love for him. He's super athletic. I would love for him to be the seam stretcher, but I just, I have not seen it yet and I don't want to hold out for what I haven't seen. Um, so yeah, more than likely, I think Izzo is probably going to be in just because we're such a run heavy team. They're more than likely going to put a value on that type of skill set, you know? Uh, however, anybody that follows me on Twitter, I'm, a, I'm an avid draft guy, and I was very against the Brevin Jordan pick. Uh, in a vacuum, I'm a big fan of his. Uh, I just, uh, a lot of people were hyping him up as this next, like, slot move tight end, and personally, I just don't see that. Uh, uh, on Mock Draftable, I have, like, the closest comparison was uh, Ed Dixon, and I think that's pretty fair, favorable considering uh, we have uh, Andy Bishop from uh, the Raven staff. So I would love if that was sort of his trajectory uh, and development. I think you can actually get some very uh, usefulness out of him. He's a great straight line guy, got a, a great feel, you know, a lot of positives to him. I just was a little lower than everyone else on that. And then it's just a question of uh, if Anthony Eclair will even make himself known, which uh, I hadn't heard of him before this season. I'm not sure if I will after, you know. Yeah, the tight end position is funny, mate, because we, we we've drafted a lot of guys, um, and I think I, I keep going because then Ryan Griffin's still in the league. I bet he wishes he didn't uh, get a bit fucked up and punch a window uh, in Nashville and get and get released within a week because he probably could have beat Carly wearing it if if he hadn't have done that. Um, I know he was a bit of a, a cap casualty, so he might not have been here anyway. But he was certainly probably the, the last sort of true productive one we have. Jordan Aitken continues to flash every year. He's got all the measurables, but you know, we're now going to year four. He's not got a new deal. Um, I think the team at this stage, you know, would perhaps be, you know, remiss to, to offer him a new deal. So, yeah, I think there's a lot to be decided at that spot. But, yeah, I can see us playing two and three tight ends um, to help run the ball um, and, and, and you know, and, and take advantage of short, you know, short intermediate yards with Tyrod and, and getting the ball out quick. I think that's definitely something that, that, uh, that they've preached through OTAs. And I think they were happy with the fact they felt that, that Tyrod could get the ball out quick and you've got to think the tight ends will play a big role in that because if you look at the, the wide receiver group, there's not a huge amount of, you know, big go up and get it guys apart from your rookie you've just drafted. So, um, and Nico. So, you know, I think the tight ends will have to play a role and I think we'll definitely keep four. Um, who those four guys I think remain to be seen, but I think definitely that last spot of, is up for grabs on that. <laughs> Guys, in terms of, you know, just touching on the draft there, are you, are you ready to, Matt Reedy, are you ready to hit the fast forward button on this season and start talking about the draft after four or five games when it seems like it might be lost? Or do you think there's um, there's a lot to be learned and, you know, some, some something to be gained from the 21 season? Yeah, again, as you, uh, as you sort of asked the question, I think there's a lot of storylines, uh, especially for the Texans organisation, that, that still need to be worked out. Um, and, and still will probably weave through the season um, and I'll be quite excited about that I'll not want to fast forward to the off season certainly not just sort of uh, been this season you think of Watson you think of our wide receiver core I think you and Nico Collins I'm, I'm excited about him and, and see what he can develop into uh, I want to see our coaching staff as well uh, I think we mentioned at the start 
I think Bjorn said, you know, the the new sort of the side of the defense. I think it's been relatively improved. We mentioned Gaines and how he's no longer in the roster, and you know, a new O line coach. Um, and obviously, it's a lot to development. Uh, there's maybe not, as we mentioned again before, there's maybe not the cornerstone pieces that you would look for uh, in a rebuilding team. But certainly, there are things in the coaching staff in the organization as a whole that hey, can be can be exciting. Uh, and if the results are not exciting, which I, uh, I'm almost 100% sure they will not be, <laughs> you know, at least there's storylines there that you can follow along with uh, and make it interesting. You know, what's going to happen with Watson? Uh, is Cully going to actually be a, a decent head coach? Uh, we've got a second-year offensive coordinator as well. What's he going to be like? What's Tim Kelly going to do? Uh, he, th- he threw a wee bit of uh, decent plays whenever the shackles came off from from Bill O'Brien. I think, think Tim Kelly could be a decent wee... Offensive coordinator, uh, Pep Hamilton, what's going to happen with him? Uh, how much of an impact is he going to have? And we, we could be seeing Davis Mills <laughs> run out sort of week 14, week 15, if things get really bad. Um, and, you know, what's going to happen to those? So, yeah, it'll be interesting to watch. Uh, I mean, uh, being a fan from the UK, uh, you sort of have to follow every niche because you don't get really the feel from it walking around the streets of Northern Ireland. <laughs> There's nobody else to talk to except for the the three Texans podcasts I listen to weekly. So, uh, yeah, I'll be following this as as, as much as I possibly can. Yeah, I, I, I'm conscious that we don't want to try and, you know, start, you know, most of last season was just looking forward to the head coach, GM hire, and you knew you didn't have any draft picks. But the draft pick, I suppose, does bring an element of excitement. Bjorn, are you... Are you would you hit the fast forward button right now, or would you, or do you want to see? Do you want to, you know, do you want to go through some of the pain of this year to make it worthwhile and and the reward this year finally for the first time in what feels like for a we'll have a high draft pick. You've got to assume. Yeah, I think Matt said it really well uh, with the, with the coaching staff that we have uh, uh, a lot of things to to look forward to because of the the culture change that that is coming, uh, and I think that also goes a lot higher in the organization uh it's going to be interesting to see if if, if casario can really get the get this roster turned around and get it to what he wants it to be uh i think he has already started uh, trying uh it's going to be interesting to see whether he succeeds in in the players that he has brought in he's brought in so many uh that if any of those turn out uh hopefully they do and uh, so I, I, I'm trying to think and trying to see during this season if look for those things, how the new culture is uh, is becoming and how uh, Casario's moves works out. And hopefully that leads to more answers than, than question marks uh, at the end of the season, the season that we can know a, a bit more about what the team's going to be for the coming season. Know something about how, how the coaching staff, what the culture is going to be like, uh, and maybe know that when these players are coming back, these players are solid, and we got this high draft pick, we might trade Watson, get a haul from that, and then start over again. So I think this is, it's interesting to see how, how the turnaround uh, comes around. First and foremost, I'm looking forward to the David Coley post-game interviews every week. Uh, I'm circling that on my calendar. Can't wait for all those answers. It's going to be my entertainment for the week. No, but not all seriousness. Just to quickly piggyback off what uh, what they were saying, uh, I think the the new coaching staff uh, is a reason for optimism. But mainly just because it's away from what we've known. Like it's not just one perspective, one philosophy. You have guys that have been around bringing a multitude of perspectives and philosophies into the building, and I think that'll really help improve these players. And also, I just want to see how much of an impact it actually makes. How much of it was on like the player evaluation versus the player development? I think that's a decent storyline to look forward to. And yeah, I'm, I'm incredibly happy to finally have, you know, a first round pick uh, that isn't going to get used on uh, like definitively a tackle that everyone knows. I'm looking forward to the uh, Kayvon Thibodeau versus Spencer Rattler debate that's going to ensue all season long. Uh, and yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to just finally moving forward. I think it's going to be a couple of years before this team can get going, but I think everyone's just looking for progress, you know? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I struggle with Spencer Rattler, I think, personally, but I mean, I know he was just a kid when he was on QB1 Netflix, um, and I know he's been kind of involved in some things. You saw him got benched last year, and look, his film is getting better, but I, there's, there's, I've not got anything to base it on other than sentiment or, or feeling, but yeah, 
the prospect of drafting Spencer Rattler, I think he seems quite an immature kid. Bringing him in to a team that's rebuilding, I think you're probably, you know, you're probably Thibodeau or the guy I really want to see Derek Stingley, who, you know, he's been touted as better than Jalen Ramsey. And we've never had a cornerback, you know, what you know, apart from Jonathan Joseph really on this team that's been worth worth contention, a big, you know, of of premier player conversations. So yeah, I, I think we've got to start building, you know, from the ground up. And I know that the, the insensitive phrasing that Cal used about brick by brick, um, after you know all the kind of stuff that was going on at that, that point, um, it's yeah, I think it's got to be bit by bit, and I think, I think hopefully you, you'll see some of that come through. Um, Matt Reedy, you got any expectations for this season? What do you think the record will be, and uh, and where do you see this uh, rebuild? You know, how far do you get in the rebuild this year? Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't particularly like predicting uh, records to the team. I know that anything can happen in sport. Uh, I know it all too well uh, from following this team and I'm thinking even last year that we were going <laughs> to, I think this time last year, if you had asked me for a record, I would have said, oh, we could go to, you know, we could go to the Super Bowl, really, uh, with Watson at the helm. <laughs> so I, I'll not give you a, a record prediction, but uh, yeah, I think, I think positives for this season are those guys who are on the one-year deals. Uh, a lot of guys on prove it deals. A lot of guys who are going to want to remain in the NF- NFL on our team or on a team, and that'll just drive them to do better. Um, you know, if they're if they're not going to be playing, if they don't play well this season, some of these guys' careers could be our careers are starters anyway. Uh, could be over, and that is that is a recipe for a form of success. <laughs> not sure what that form will take. Uh, but certainly, I think the I think the days of uh, people w- walking back or missing their assignments um, because they're on a big contract, and I think those days are potentially gone with the culture of the team. Um, I think there's a lot of guys who want to want to show that they are capable football players, um, if not outstanding football players. You know, even thinking of the secondary, you know, we uh, I don't think we've mentioned him this. Uh, this podcast, but but King, I think he could be a great pickup. As someone who wants to prove that maybe he is. I think lots of these players will want to prove that they're better than the Texans, and they could be on a contender next year. So I'm happy to see where that leads us as a as a, as a franchise. Yeah, I think I know. I know. For example, Jordan Aikens was the most called about guy at the trade deadline, um, and Desmond King's probably a good you know potential contract that could that somebody might want to take if they're contending. Um, Bjorn, do you think it's going to be more upheaval before we start to see stability, or do you think this this is a, what do you think we'll, we'll gain out of the rebuild this year? And if you've got any record predictions, yeah, I mean, I agree with Matt again. I think uh, what he's saying about the, these players having to really prove themselves, uh, I think that's going to uh, give us like a level that is decent. But I'm not sure that it's going to lead to many wins. I just think that, especially the defense, is, is just it's just too bad. Uh, so I think my, my record pred- prediction would be four and thirteen, probably three, three, fourteen around there. Uh, I just don't see us winning many more games. I mean, we our division is is toughening up, uh, and the the schedule is tough as well. And without Watson, it's it's just I, I just have a hard time seeing us winning more than those maybe four or five games tops. Yeah, I mean, it's just like. Like Matt said, there is sport is funny at the time, and you know it works sometimes in the most counterintuitive ways. And I wouldn't be surprised in some ways if we did win five games, just because it would make no sense to do that without Watson, assuming he doesn't play. Um, I'd like it be many more than five. Um, and if you've got some bright sparks in there that you know that can contribute, albeit probably at a higher cost in future years, and I think that they, you know they're the big things. And I think yeah, the, the development of players, I think is is just you know I. I I think we'll understand at some point this off season or this season, you know, as ten weeks or so, but hit the bye week. How much did that last coaching staff hold back good players? I know they made terrible front office decisions and let good players go. We know that that was clear, but you know there was very few players that ever developed. Um, you know, Dylan Cole threatened, got injured. Um, you know, and you you would struggle to name many players that were under O'Brien and his last coaching staff that actually got better. Um, you know, arguably DeAndre Hopkins, but you could argue he would have done that regardless of who his coach was. So I think, you know, 
let's see if they can actually teach, develop, and 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 you know for the players that have been recruited for them. Uh, but Matt, do you see any more over four or five wins, and and have you got any 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 hopes or any or any at least some foundations for the rebuild? You might see some green shoots that might come out in this twenty one season. Uh, well, to your previous point, I, I sure do hope they end up uh, sneaking out a few more wins, like the sneaky veterans end up playing up. And I think that's ultimately like the biggest storyline this season. Uh, this reminds me a lot of the uh, Miami Tank for Tua campaign, where everyone and their mother knew that this was going to be a bad football team. But a lot of praise got thrown on Brian Flores for you know rallying the locker room, getting everybody up and motivated on Sunday morning. And I think uh, a lot of people have trashed or uh, critiqued the notion of us having the oldest roster. Uh, but when you look at it, that, that's honestly what you need. You need guys that have motivation to get up and play. And I think that's the biggest reason also with the, the salary spending, which w- may not be true, uh, maybe. Uh, but I think that's the biggest uh, thing that might make us a little, little sneaky competitive. Uh, based on their philosophy, I'm not sure if the offense can keep up with how much the defense will let up. But uh, I very much would like Derek Stingley. And I think if we could get a few like above four wins, end up getting like the four to five range. And sneaking off into like a, a a four or five draft slot, I think that would be wouldn't be the worst thing that happened to us, you know. Uh, but almost every over under I have is like at three and a half. I'm betting on like three. I think four to three to five is a really safe range based on what we have on the roster. Uh, but I think that's more than likely what we have coming down the pipeline. Yeah, I think I think so. I mean, I, I suppose when you look at the number one overall pick. If you know, I, I don't think that's necessarily the be all and end all. I know people are probably, you know, you want to you want to be in a sometimes you want to be in a position to to have have the have the high draft pick. But if you see the one or even the two, sometimes you know, particularly the quarterback spot, um, and you know, and I think I was listening to someone today and they were talking about you know, there's arguably no quarterbacks that are even good as Justin Fields um, in this in this year's draft. So, you know, the overall arguably at this stage, you know, there's a, you know a pr- full and proper college season to be played. Um, but in terms of in terms of those guys that might be the top of the draft, you might just want to pick defensive, you know, or offensive cornerstones um, to start, you know, to start the wheels turning and hopefully um, to a position where this team can win some games. Um, but guys, thank you very much for your time tonight. Appreciate it. Um, some technical difficulties, some confusion on names, uh, and some uh, dodgy internet connections. But uh, hopefully, we managed to just uh, make a little bit sense of the off season together um and we're getting a little bit closer right now to training camp just a couple of weeks away um and and hopefully we'll start to see some of the formations and some of the stuff we've been talking about um in the last couple of weeks but thanks again uh for everybody listening thanks again for your time <laughs>